0: I'm Harry. I'm Nash. And this week, we're going all the way from the 11th to the 17th of December. The cool head of Arthur Ashe helps him to stay on top. 12th of December, 1968.
1: Arthur Ashe, he becomes the first ever African American to be ranked number one in tennis. And this isn't number one in, you know, his city or his state Mm. or his country. This is the world. Probably in other galaxies as well. Star Trek speaking about him even.
0: In different parallel universes. Some universes where like it's not even a big deal that he's number one because everybody's number one. Okay, well... For if, if all winners... And don't, play don't play down. Don't oh, play down. He's okay. amazing. Right. Have you been ranked number one in anything ever? No, the, my greatest achievement is that right. I'm the firstborn in my family. But that doesn't make you the best. You it, it? Uh, it means I have remote control privileges and I'm the you know I'm, I'm i'm just the apple of everybody's eyes
1: but he's literally the best in the world and also he's breaking like racial stereotype barriers okay and like okay. being the first black person to be number one in tennis
0: all right i'll do my best to be a better black person harry thanks okay thank you <laughs> december 13 1642 abel tasman Discovers You see, I'm doing air quotes here. Yeah, I can see it. I don't know if the listeners can see that, but he is doing air quotes <laughs> with two fingers a, up and down. Chucking a sound effect for the...
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Abel Tasman discovers New Zealand. Right. Yeah. So Abel Tasman, he was this Dutch navigator who's an explorer, and he was going around all the places in the Southern Hemisphere. All of the places. All the places, namely the, um, you know... Tasmania. Tasmania, <laughs> or Van Diemen's Land, as he dubbed it, right? Yeah.
1: Weird, hey. He finds Tasmania and calls it Van Diemen's Land.
0: Well, I look, I mean, maybe he had a bit of humility about him. If I was going to be discovering somewhere, I wouldn't exactly call it Nashtown town or Nashville. I would
1: 100% call it Harry town. I wouldn't even think twice. Like Harry's only
0: name. Population 1. It's, it'd be you. And it'd be the coolest <laughs> town ever, obviously. <laughs> Come on over to Harry town. Right, so he's he's exploring this Abel Tasman guy. Yeah, so Abel Tasman, he's going around, he's exploring and he comes across New Zealand. He's one of the first if not the first, European to lay eyes on New Zealand. So why is New Zealand called New Zealand? You might be wondering. I, I am. Answer. Because, I mean, you know New South Wales is called New South Wales because it reminded Europeans of South Wales. Isn't South Wales, like, dreary and, and wet? Yeah. New it, South Wales is quite hot and dry.
1: Yeah. Uh, that's generally.
0: That, that's th- the funny thing about these uh, European <laughs> explorers, naming foreign lands after places that have nothing to do with them. Fond memory, perhaps. Fond memories. Fond memories. Either way, so Tell New us, Zealand please. is named after a Dutch province by the name of, you guessed it, Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, that's it.
1: 14th of December, 1911. The South Pole, it's reached. You know, they, mm. they touch it, bing, you've done it, congratulations. Take that off the bucket list. Very exciting Happy. stuff. Job done. Very exciting stuff. And it was it was actually done by a Norwegian
0: man. Called Roald Amdenson. Roald Amdenson. Amundsen? Either way, it was old mate R A. R. A. Yeah,
1: R. A mate. Abbreviated this it. way. Yeah. And like with any good tale of adventure and excitement, it was not without
0: tragedy. I was waiting for you to say it, like a mystical helper. No, as in, no, that's
1: the North Pole <laughs> you're thinking of. Oh, yeah, definitely North oh, Pole. Okay. No, it was actually a race. It was the first ever amazing race, essentially. Yeah, right. Because it was RA versus guy called Robert F. Scott.
0: Robert F. Scott. Yeah, okay. so
1: old Robbo, he's from Britain and he's competing against the Norwegian RA trying to get to the South Pole. Oh, okay. So they leave on the same, same date. They track their routes. Differences though, differences between them. Okay. Amundsen, he uses dogs and sleigh. Okay, okay. Nice Whereas low-tech.
0: Very low-tech, very simple. Very primal option. Exactly. Okay, okay.
1: Whereas Scott, right, he uses motorized sleighs. Nice. Siberian ponies. Nice. He brought them all the way from Siberia. And Ow. dogs. Okay, okay. I think it's a, it might be a breed of
0: pony. Yeah, right. Probably. No, all I was going <laughs> to say is that maybe Siberian ponies wouldn't be a great choice in the Southern Hemisphere because they're adapted for the Northern Hemisphere
1: well, if they're anything like a Siberian Husky, they're quite well-coated.
0: Oh, okay. So they're going to withstand the cold. But I'm thinking maybe the snow is different in the Southern Hemisphere no, to the Northern it's Hemisphere. Same, it's all the it's still same. still snow? Thing. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> so they're racing against each other to reach the South Pole. You know, really put their mark and their country as the first ever to reach it. So Amundsen reaches the South Pole on the 14th of December, 1911. Okay. So the dogs and the sleds were successful. They worked. Scott had less luck. The motorized sled, they break down. The ponies had to be shot and killed. Oh, and the dogs uh, were my released. Ponies, oh. Yeah, my little pony shot in the face. <laughs> um, essentially, he was pretty stuck. He ended up getting to the South Pole by mid-January. Okay. Good job. You've made it. But he's still got to go back. By this point in mid-January, Emerson, he's already made it back to base camp. He's safe. He's chill. Mm-mm. Scott has to now make it back. And... Uh, The weather doesn't like him. They start hiking back, him and his crew. Most of them end up dying, including Robert F. Scott, the second man to make it to the South Pole. He's found a year later frozen in the ice. Oh, no. Um, Suffice to say, (laughs) Amundsen, he won the amazing race. He won that trip around the world. And I guess losing was a bit worse for Robert F. Scott.
0: December 15, 1993, Schindler's List. It opens to the public. It's a movie, by the way, just in case you didn't know. It's a book, but also a movie. (laughs) Okay, the list wasn't made public. The movie (laughs) was opened in cinemas, right? It's this massive motion picture, one of the greatest of all time, directed by none other than Steven Spielberg himself. Um, won him his first Oscar as director. Yeah, which is actually a controversial thing as well because not that it wasn't he wasn't deserving. It's just like, why did it take so long? Yeah, you know? he'd done a lot of good stuff up until that point. So, of course, Oscar Schindler was a business owner who lived in Poland during the Second World War and he helped to save countless Jewish lives by employing them in his factory during the Second World War. And in the film, Oscar Schindler was portrayed by Liam Neeson. It's a good film. It's very moving. And the soundtrack, you heard a bit at the beginning of this segment, but oh my God. Yeah, definitely. So, funny thing. Perhaps Hmm. you might be wondering, is there an Australian connection to this film? And if you weren't wondering that, you're probably in the vast majority. You You are are now. Yeah, Yeah, you (laughs) are now. So there actually is, because Schindler's List was actually adapted from a book called Schindler's Ark, which was written by the Australian author Thomas Keneally. Well, there you go. The relation. I think also the fact that we have
1: lifts in Australia (laughs) and uh, I think you were the one that told me. Oh yeah, don't forget that. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to just tell us what you told me before? Just quickly (laughs) if you can get.
0: For me, the most uplifting part about Schindler's List, this whole Schindler story is that there is a lift company here in Australia called Schindler. No, I think it's one and the same. They make Schindler's Lifts. Yeah. So it is very
1: uplifting. Yeah. yeah, From a sad tale comes great heights.
0: It has its ups and downs. (laughs)
1: Seventeenth <laughs> of December nineteen oh three. The first aeroplane takes to the air. Yes, it very flies exciting. away. It does. Not very far, but it flies nonetheless. Yeah. Only about 120 hundred well,
0: that's feet. no small feat, I think.
1: No, it's 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 still a decent amount. It was about twelve seconds of flight, and it was, of course, the plane was
0: made by Orville and Wilbur Wright. Yes, the Wright brothers, the famed Wright brothers. Now, the Wright brothers, they were something that we call autodidacts. They mm. were largely self-taught and self-educated. Of course, they did have some formal education, but it would have amounted to no more than about 10 years in today's high school, right? Right. right. Not not a, I mean, look, a not decent a amount, but like not enough to like make a plane. Well, that's between the two of them as well. Yeah, okay. But they were very smart, had these wonderful engineering minds, and they actually owned and operated a bicycle shop. Mm. And they took the lessons they learnt there and applied it to solving the problem of achieving the very first manned, powered, controlled, and sustained flight. I'm still thinking about this bicycle thing. Okay. Do you
1: reckon ET was inspired by the Wright brothers? A flying bicycle?
0: Oh, 100%.
1: 100%. Kind of makes sense now. ET didn't want to phone home. He wanted to phone the Wright brothers. (laughs) Direct call. (laughs) Guys, this is what you've done. This is how your bike shop should have been. (laughs) Definitely. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, that does take us to the end in another week in history.
0: Join us back here next week as we take you to a time before you were born.